touch of all time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Tiger Minor League Report mailbag. As we have this is our first of the year, first for 2024. As we are trying to get things off to a good foot, we do have a, a couple guests potentially lined up here in the next couple of weeks. As spring training is now just 37 days away as time of recording for this. So we wanted to make sure we get the not only your mailbag out there, but also the just missed prospects. So there's going to be a short, we're going to start a, a series on YouTube of shorts, 60 second, like prospects in 60 seconds. And it was inspired by this channel. There's a YouTube channel called the sheep wheeler, Chris, and he does transformer reviews. Cause oh. I've, yeah. So it, he, I like his premise. He doesn't, he does it pretty quick and rapid and it's, it's pretty pretty cool and transformers is a hobby of mine going back since I was a kid. So anyway, I didn't know they're there. So that being said, Chris, we did get quite a bit. I like the response. Thank you for everybody who sent in questions on Twitter and on Gmail. And we got a couple new fans in the mix too, as well, that sent out some questions. So that was good to see. And especially with one of the things that the Tigers haven't done this off season as of time of recording right now has the prospect scene has been relatively quiet. We haven't seen any trades. We were, we keep thinking there's going to be something with the Tigers. And as of right now, we just saw today, Jordan Hicks got 40 years and $44 million from the giants, a team that's desperate for pitching. And they went that route. So it'll be interesting to see what we hear in the next couple of weeks. What if, if anything happens. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, the, the, the most recent Tigers news was just them, you know, going, getting in a battle with Casey Mize over $25,000. So uh, hopefully that they can get something else in our minds instead of that, because that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. You hope there's more to it than just that. There's yeah, there's, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> what were you going to say, Chris? Oh, I was going to say, it, you know, it's, I think part of the reason we're doing the, the, uh, the mailbag podcast is, is a lot of times uh, people ask great questions during the show and we try to get to them, but you know, sometimes it, it can, get distracting and we miss them or uh, we get sidetracked. So just doing a dedicated question show seemed like a good idea. Yeah, no, it, and it does allow for, let's just say less distracted versions of ourselves. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's we, nice we are to, easily distracted. We are like cats with microphones. Yeah. But and also at the same time, to be fair, I think because the last couple of years the show has grown quite a bit that uh, it's nice to get some interaction and, when sometimes we see some of the numbers and everything, so we're beyond grateful. And but just this just allows us to also put some video here and there and cut it up a little bit. So, without further ado, Chris, what is the first question that we've received? Right on. So, uh, you know, we, we got some emails, uh, but we also got a bunch on Twitter, and we'll start with the Twitter ones. Uh, and the first uh, question was from, from our buddies Tigers Torque Moil. Uh, said Brent Herter prediction does he start the season in Erie or Toledo? And then kind of followed up with if it's more beneficial, maybe a prediction list of each level's rotation. Um, so I actually went through and I, I did kind of a prediction for each level's rotation. Uh, but I don't know if, if you want to give your, your thoughts on where does Brent Herter start next year? So I think he'll start the season in Toledo. I think he's, this would be his technically his third season in Erie if he started the year there. And I think he proved himself. We witnessed it towards the end part of the season into the playoffs. He had a strong last two months of the season. He was able to, makes his pitches better and he got over that little bit of a slump there. I think it was like 
I want to say mid June, Chris, or something to that effect, where he struggled with, the, with walks. He was struggling with walks and kind of a, a lot of times was really looked like he was overthrowing, gave up a little hard contact. But after, I think, I want to say the second start of August, he just cruised. And so to me, I think it just makes sense for him to start the season in Toledo. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. I, I think um, I tend to, uh, I, I like, you know, Tiger Stark when I asked uh, about doing each rotation, and that's kind of how I like to do it anyway, just to, to think about this. But one of the things, uh, just just with regard to Herder, and I agree with you, I, I don't think there's anything left for him to prove at double A. You know, he had like a, a FIP under three, a lot of strikeouts. And overall in the season, not many walks. He, he had, uh, like you said, he had a, a rough stretch there in the middle. But um, but I do remember, and, and this is something that we discovered, I think, last year, is that guys don't get promoted now just because, right? Just because they pitch well the year before. Because I came into last year assuming that Wilmer Flores was heading up to Toledo because he pitched so well in Erie in 2022. Uh, and But he went back to Erie for the entire season, except for when he was hurt, because his stuff wasn't as good and he didn't perform as well. And so I, I assume that that uh, made itself kind of clear in spring training. And so they sent him back to Erie. So, you know, we kind of do this without knowing you know, if, if somebody has regressed a, a little bit or if they're injured, we just, we don't know. So if we just assume that everybody's the same or getting better and not injured, the the rotations that I came up with uh, were, you know, with Detroit, uh, Scooble, Maeda, Flaherty, and Olsen, I think are probably the most likely to, to be in there. And then it's like a three-way battle between Matt Manning, Casey Mize, and Sawyer Gibson Long for that fifth spot. And again, you know, some of these guys will get hurt and won't matter. So then you go down to Toledo, and, and this is where it gets interesting because two of those guys, presumably, you know, of Mize, Manning, and Gibson Long are going to be down in Toledo to start the year. And then probably Kyder Montero. And then probably two of the guys in uh, in from from Erie, two of the three, uh, Brent Herter, Ty Madden, Wilmer Flores. You have to assume two of those guys are going to come up. I guess you don't have to assume, but but I am. So that's a five there. But they did resign Brendan Hannafy, who started in Toledo last year. I know he was relieving, I think, for Detroit. Uh, but he's another uh, name. It's Lyle Lockhart is a possibility in Toledo. And it's also possible they move Montero uh, or Flores to the bullpen. But to me, I do I do think Herter, of all those guys who were in Erie, I think Herter is the one who most deserves uh, and, and is most well-suited, I guess, to, to handling Toledo. Um, then I moved down to Erie. And right as of right now, my Erie rotation is Jackson Job, And then I have Lockhart back there, but it could be, you know, Flores and Madden. Dylan Smith, I think, probably returns to Erie. And then it's kind of a question of, you know, Troy Melton, I think, is the is the better prospect and, and has the, the better uh, future. But he ended last year on the injured list, and you, you don't know. Uh, it's between, like, him and Carlos Pena, who I believe is still in the system, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, he's the left the yeah. So I think one of those two ends up rounding out that rotation. And then the one who doesn't is back in West Michigan, along with probably Garrett Burhan, Joe Miller, who had a, a nice stretch down the, the, the end of the season in Lakeland. Then I've got Jaden Hamm um, bumping up to, you know, he, he, he may, you know, he was their fifth rounder last year uh, and he had a really nice pro debut. So he may start in Lakeland or West Michigan, but I'm pushing him up to West Michigan because uh, he was so good in such a small sample. And then it's like, I don't know, Willie Ander Moreno, you know, I know he started a bunch and then down in Lakeland, I think, I think Carlos Marcano is going to spend a third year in Lakeland. Probably. Uh, he got better last year, but he's still only like 20. So there's no rush. And then I have a couple of the guys they drafted last year, uh, Hayden Minton and Andrew Sears. 
and then Edgardo Ibarra, the lefty, and then I put Colin Fields. And then after that, you know, it gets it's there are a lot of guys that they took in the last two drafts, the last three drafts, who kind of you know haven't done much yet to to separate themselves. But I assume some of them will, and and they'll be in those rotations. So that was my thoughts on the various rotations, and we'll see it again in probably a month or two months. We'll we'll come up with a little bit more concrete list. Yeah, because for me, if you look at what the Tigers did last year at this time versus currently. They had a lot more minor league free agents they were looking at at this build of Toledo, but it's not so much the case now where they, of course, a couple of bullpen arms, they re-signed Vasquez and uh, you mentioned Hanfi earlier. So if you're looking at the starting rotation for Detroit, for myself, this is where it gets a little tricky. I mean, the top three automatically Scooble, Flaherty, Maia, no problem. But then, I mean, and, and, and sorry, Reese Olson. I think Reese Olson. But this is where but the thing is, is that I also don't think Reese Olson's a guaranteed lock either. Because no, I, I would agree with you. I think that the three that you mentioned are definitely because uh, you know Scooble, Scooble, and then the other two guys have big contracts. Yeah, so they're going to be there. Yeah, but with, as far as Olson's concerned too, he, he it's kind of I'm not saying he has a lot of pressure to live up to that sophomore slump because he pitched pitched better that he pitched beyond before September. So he doesn't have the same kind of title per se than Sawyer Gibson Long, who has that. So you're looking at Manning, who's coming off injury. Is it a foregone conclusion he comes back and is a fifth starter? No. I mean, I, I don't think so. So, I mean, right now, as of right now, I'm going to pencil in. I, I think they're going to have to pencil in somebody like Sawyer Gibson Long and Olsen, fourth and fifth starters. I think that might have, might be the case because, and I'm not saying because they're going to trade Matt Manning or anything. The variable is how healthy is Matt Manning going to be coming back? And if so, yeah, of course, you can pencil him in right there, but it's splitting hairs between Olsen and, and Gibson Long because Olsen provides a different, completely different uh, in terms of mound presence than Sawyer Gibson Long because the, the defense, because the way he throws Sawyer Gibson Long's Gets a lot of uses a lot of grounders. Olsen's more correct me if I'm wrong. I think he has a fly ball, he gets more fly balls and strikeouts. So that's a different yeah. look. And your defense with we don't know what's going on at third base either. So it, that also we're gonna assume that it's gonna be uh Verling starting the year or well, yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I mean Olsen Olsen it's fun to have different looks in a rotation. And and Olson and Gibson Long would, would provide that back to back. It'd be kind of fun because uh, Olson is just like the you know the pure stuff guy, right? Tons of spin. Uh, whereas Gibson Long has uh, elite extension. He's taller and he, he throws the ball. He's like 99th percentile extension. It's like a seven foot, seven and a half foot release point. Uh, so which is like the opposite of Olson. It's just uh, it would be interesting, but maybe that would be more fun as like a tandem. You know, bring one in right after the other where that would matter, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, there's plenty of time to figure out the rotations, and and actually, you know, it does seem like they have too much pitching right now at the upper levels. But as we say, you know, these things always work themselves out. And, you know, March, I think, is maybe it's February is is the biggest month. February, March are the biggest months for pitcher injuries, so I don't think they're going to come through that unscathed. Yeah, um, the, as far as Toledo goes, real quick, I'll just breeze through Toledo and Erie, West Michigan. I'm kind of uh, really unsure about, but Toledo, Mize, Flores. Hurdler, Montero, 
and Mason Engler will be your starters. I think Alex. I, I totally forgot about Engler. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. have him on my list. So that's another one to throw in there. Yeah. Because I think they're going to try to extend him again as a starter to give him some more depth. And mm-hmm. Fiedo, I don't know, Chris, I think Fiedo may end up going to the bullpen. I think they need to put him in the bullpen. Yeah. Just, just to stay him healthy too. As far as, so that's the thing where I'm also, I'm also on the fence about putting Madden in there too, as maybe as a six starter, or maybe he'll, if, depending on what happens yep. with, 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 with um, Montero, whatever, how they ever decide to use Montero, I can see Madden getting an opportunity to. So as far as the start the year in Erie, Lockhart, I think will start the year in Erie, maybe, and then eventually get a quick call up to double A, depending on what happens to West Michigan, Jackson Job. I think Troy Melton's going to start the year in West Michigan to get some footing back because he was out. He missed the rest of the season. Dylan Smith definitely could see that happening. Will kill. Will kill Hernandez definitely started the season in Erie as a back end of the starter rotation. He did. He was one of the league leaders in ERA in Midwest League for whatever that's worth. So I don't think he. I mean, he feels like he's been in West Michigan like Parker Meadows for a long time. So it's like 2019. I feel like since there. Yeah, he, he has been there. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was. He showed up, I think, as a 19 or 20 year old uh, yeah. when they were low A. And then Garrett Burhan, the area, I think the area rotation is going to be not as crisp per se. The back end is going to be a struggle, comparatively speaking, to what they've usually been doing the last couple seasons. And at West Michigan, <sighs> it's a who's who of like, I want to see it. You mentioned Jaden Ham earlier. It'd be nice. If, if you look, if you're a West Michigan Whitecaps fan, you want to have Jaden Hammond in your rotation start the year because beyond that, Chris, I think there's a drop off there. Uh, that's yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stop at West Michigan because the rest of the kind of again is Jack King or Jake Diaz gonna be pitching in Lakeland to start the year. Who knows? I mean, there's just he gonna, gonna be, be is he gonna be a starter? Is he gonna really, yeah, like, like you know, I, I looked at some of the guys, like I think Dunford and Diaz and those guys will be down, and and Paul Wilson probably if he's healthy will be down in in the complex league. But you never know. I mean, it depends on how they look in spring training. Yeah, I mean, I would like to get more of a look at Hayden. Uh, Hayden Mitten. Mitten. Yeah, because I it's for whatever reason, I immediately thought of Eric Milton, but he was Eric was a lefty. But anyway, let's see the, the good Mitten or the bad Mitten. <laughs> um, that's Milton, no, but you know, Milton, by the way. you know, Jaden Ham would be great. Uh, you know, great for West Michigan if he goes out there and pitches well, and they can, you know, do a concessions thing like they did back in the day with Joey Pancake. You could have, you could have a ham themed food item pretty easily. Oh man, that'd be so. That'd be just tie it in already, make it happen already. Yeah. I'm sure there's a local sponsorship waiting to happen. Yeah. So, um, um, uh, our question. next question, next question uh, comes from our buddy Mitch Lutsky. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, it's actually something we, we discussed briefly on the uh, the Motor City Metrics show. He said, I'm interested in your thoughts on uh, outfielder Seth Stevenson. Elite speed, apparently. Um, so, what are your thoughts on Seth Stevenson? Again, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Seth Stevenson. I really like his work ethic. I think he is a guy who really had put himself on the map last year, steals, taking advantage of the new rules, and he, you know, when you realize how athletic he is and, and like that really plays up a good part of it. That being said, looking at some of his, some of his advanced data in Lakeland, I mean, it was, it was all right. I mean, he, he hit the ball. It was like in the middle of the pack with that. And so 
I think somebody comparatively speaking, like somebody was trying to, there was a cop about him and Dom Johnson because of quickness, but I think Steph Stevens has better ball or bat to ball skills. And I, I, it really, you know, I honestly, I, I think I could see him potentially being a utility or maybe like a utility outfielder someday, maybe, maybe hit the major leagues, but I gotta, I gotta see what he does in Erie. I really, before I can make any type of, Termination, but there's there's enough skill set I think that he could potentially be a fourth outfielder some day. Yeah, I mean, there, and I think he played a little bit, of, and he was a shortstop, second baseman, I think, in junior college and college uh, for heading Tennessee and playing mostly outfield. But yeah, I mean, the standout tool is the speed. Of course, he's a very fast young man. He's got uh, terrific base stealing instincts, and he's a good outfielder. And he's got a strong arm. He's one of the strong arms in the system. On, on offense, it's kind of decent back-to-ball skills. I wouldn't say they're a plus or above average even, uh, but he does have a knack for getting on base. He's kind of kind of a fringe average walk guy, but he gets hit a ton. Uh, he got hit 30 times last year in just other f- over 500 plate appearances. So like once every 17 plate appearances, he got hit. And that went up when he got to high A. He went up to high A and got hit six times in 68 plate appearances. So, uh, you know, that generally is a skill for some reason. And I don't remember him standing particularly close to the plate, but uh, he must do something there. The main issue, and I think you kind of touched on it, is, is I mean, you want to see him against advanced pitching. But it's just the lack of impact in, in his bat. He's he's listed at 5'8", 165. He's a smaller guy. I wouldn't call him frail, but he's not sturdy like 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 a short Jose Altuve. You know, he's not like a, a, a fire hydrant. Um and he just doesn't hit the ball very hard. We we did have Jerry compile all his exit velocity data for us in Lakeland. And it was his average exit velocity last year was 79 miles per hour, uh, which, uh, you know, may be thrown off by bunts. Uh, the lowest qualified hitter in the majors last year was 82.7 miles per hour. And then the next lowest was 84.6. So we're talking like five miles an hour slower than, you know, the bottom in, in the big leagues. Now, um, that's not everything, right? And again, it could be thrown off by once. And we have his hard hit rate, which is not, uh, it's still very low, 21.9%. But it was higher than four big leaguers, including Stephen Kwan, who, you know, Stephen Kwan has elite uh, back-to-ball skills, elite on-base skills, and is good defender. Uh, but if you're not going to hit the ball very hard, you have to kind of have that. And I'm not I'm not sure that Seth Stevenson has the secondary skills to, to do that. So... Yeah, it is to to you know kind of wrap that up. Rogers, right? We got to wait and see. We got to wait and see what happens with him at higher levels against uh, better pitching. If he can start hit the ball harder, I think there's a chance. Yeah, I don't want to discourage any. He, again, it's one of those things where it really you have to see more of a sample size before just kind of making a determination on that. So, on to the next uh, question, sir. All right, this oh. this is from Julius. Uh, and it's it's not terribly specific. It just says Dingler's chances, Ty Madden, parentheses, one more year in minors. And there's uh, so yeah, I think the the idea. I just basically, what do we think of uh, Dylan Dingler and Ty Madden? I think it was Lynn Henning wrote a piece today about Lynn or about Dylan Dingler, and this is kind of a make or break year for him. And as cliche as it sounds, he's correct. Dingler defensively grades well. We've seen it since day one. We've seen that series where you and I, James Chipman and Jake Bowes went out and saw Dingler just totally 100%. Yeah. He was awesome. So that being said, we did see, we've seen seen a lot of at bats, a lot of at bats that were just, you just look like one, two, three, you're out just really quick at bats. Not nothing 
that you would profoundly see it and go, okay, he's he's getting the he's getting it a little bit, but he struggled with off speed. So this is the time where if he can improve himself in the bat and clean himself up, then perfect. Then I, I think he, he is still a prospect to me. Madden last year pitched well the second half of the season, started getting lefties out better, but you're still having the risk of um I think he still needs a little bit of seasoning and you still want to see better location with the fastball. Yeah, you know, I'm with you on both fronts. I, th- I think, you know, Dinkler got added to the 40-man roster, which is the first step, right? And that's He's cleared one hurdle. But um, yeah, he, he just, he, once he reached double-A, he just kind of hit that plateau where uh, he improved a little bit last year. He hit for more power, slightly higher average, walked more. But then he went up to Toledo and didn't do a whole lot in, in like a 25-game sample. I think, whereas I once thought that he was, he had a chance to be a regular catcher and even had like all-star upside. And certainly the physical tools are all there. I, I think he's now, he's just, a, he's most likely a backup at the big league level if he, if he finds a role in the big leagues. Um, and uh, again, you know, they, they added him to the 40-man roster because they love his defense. And the, the, there's power there and there's athletic ability. It's just, like you said, there's the at-bats are kind of inconsistent. There's not a ton of um, quality contact. And... That needs to improve, but catchers do take forever sometimes. Jake Rogers is, is you know, a good example of that. He's a guy who kind of looked like he might not make it at all and then really came through with an awesome season last year. So certainly uh, not giving up hope on Dingler. I'm just kind of trying to lower my expectations. Uh, in with Madden, I think you're right. Uh, solid year last year. He's, he's, he's a guy who's got a really good arm, and he's got all the pitches you need, and he just needs to – Put it all together at some point, and right now it's looking more like a back end starter. Uh, but the physical ability is there to be better than that. We just have to kind of wait and see him do it. Yeah, so. yeah, and we I mean, he pitched really well last year in the playoffs, and that really elevated him to a certain extent, or elevated him to where you knew Madden pitched big time in Texas too. It's not like he hadn't done before. He was he had a song, yeah. and I, I can't remember the song he came out to, but um, yeah, as I recall. There was a there's a certain song and I remember the it was like I know Greg and Christy and all those people over there in Erie were talking he has like a, a theme where he gets all pumped up for it. But anyway, I forgot yeah. what it was. But either way, it was just kind of he's ready to get to the big league level. He he wants to get there really quick. So Yeah, and, and I, I think he will. I think that there's uh I don't know. It became it was a weird thing where I felt like we were higher on him early on than the industry. And then now I think the industry is a little bit higher on him than us. Uh, but we still have him in the top 10 prospects in the system, I think. Right. Or was he like 11 or 12? I don't remember. I think it's 11, 11. Yeah. He's, he's a good arm and, and he'll, he'll get to the big leagues. Uh, next question is uh, from Steven Osmond. He said, since second base is really not filled, can we expect a rookie to fill it? What was that last part, Chris? Uh, he said, since second base is really not filled, can we oh. expect a rookie to fill it? Not since the days of Scott Sizemore. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I still think it's going to be Cole Keith that will get there, but I, I, I personally think it's yeah, it, it's going to be we're going to see some more Andy Baez at, at first. Then if Cole Keith, we're going to see some rookie time this year. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's essentially what 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 I had uh, you know prepared. I, I think that. I think that they are essentially holding the spot for Colt Keith. Uh, he still has to earn it. This isn't like, uh, you know, kind of Spencer Torkelson in 2022 
didn't go out and have a very good spring training and it didn't look like he was ready for the big leagues, but they had basically already penciled him in as their big league first baseman and they didn't really have any other options. So they gave him the job. I think Cole Keith still needs to go out and win it. And if he doesn't, I think they'll be perfectly happy to play Ibanez and McKinstry and maybe Ryan Kreidler, or Lipsius or whomever else, uh, Winslow Perez, Eddie's Leonard. They, they have a bunch of guys who could theoretically play second base. But, uh, but I think they want Colt Keith to win it, and I think he will. I think um, we've seen enough from Colt. He, he had a great spring training last year, and uh, I think he's you know just the kind of hitter he is and the kind of professional he is. I think he's going to go out and win that job. So that's my expectation. You never know. You know he could get hurt and then uh, doesn't get the bats and something else happens. But I do think they're holding it for him. Yeah. Otherwise, I think they would have made a move already, and we're in mid-January, so. Well, well, I think we'll see multiple rookie contributions this year. I, I for sure, uh, I yeah, and I mean, Parker Meadows is technically a rookie too, and I, he's going to have yeah. a, a big role in the team. All right, what's the next uh, question? Steve Dunkel. Steve Dunkel says thoughts on Luke Gold and Tyler Madison. Luke Gold. See, Luke Gold. So you saw more Luke Gold than I did at West Michigan. So I'll let you go with this one first. Okay, so. Um, yeah, he had a really interesting year because he was he was not good to start his pro career in Lakeland last year. I, I, I mean, 2023, 2022, 22. And then got off to a really rough start this year, too. I, I wrote it down through May, through like 30 games. He had a WRC plus of just 69 in, uh, in Lakeland. So it wasn't looking good. But then from June on, over 71 games, including a bump up to West Michigan, he had a he hit 280 with power. And put up a 138 WRC plus, which is really good. Um, and and so, you know, you watch him, and, and he's got kind of a nice mix of hitting ability and patience and pop. There's there's some power in his bat, and I've talked about it before, but his swing reminds me a little bit of Kerry Carpenter's, just from the right side. It's kind of he kind of hangs back on that, you know, lifts his front leg and kind of hangs back on his back leg, and then launches. And I think, you know, I, I don't think any of his tools really stands out as a more than above average. But together on offense, they work pretty well, and, and they give him a chance. And we, he snuck into our top 30. He ended up 30th because of that strong finish. And, uh, you know, he's just kind of fringy on defense, so he's going to have to hit a bunch. But he'll be one of the more interesting players to watch this year for me, uh, just the, the pure hit guys, because he's he is he's not one of the top-tier prospects, but I do think he has some ability, and it'll be nice to see if he can, he can break out a little bit. And that's, and that's another – win in the scouting department from the, in the northeastern side of things the tigers have done really well yeah, from boston college yeah they've done really well in that part of the country and so yeah you, you you're encouraged by the iso numbers over 200 but again it's almost like in the steph stevenson case can he make it those can he make those adjustments at erie and i i think he can i it just i don't know if second base might be his long-term position but i i, I then again because the tigers we saw this last year with Trey Cruz. He was starting center fielder for Erie opening day. Maybe they see some else, Luke Gold. I think Luke Gold's athletic enough that he could make a position change if need be, though. So that's right. Yeah, I think. I think he's played some third base, too. It's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, each minor league season has kind of a story of itself. And, and the West Michigan offense was completely different by the end of the year than it was at the beginning of the year. You know, it's it's funny to think about this, but you know, they began the year with Justice Bigby and Chris Myers hitting in their order, along with Roberto Campos and Isaac Pacheco. And and by the end of the year, 
only Pacheco was there, and uh, and Gold was kind of their key offensive contributor down the stretch. So, uh, yeah, like I said, he's just kind of kind of flew under the radar a little bit, and we wanted to give him some some notice. And uh, yeah, he's he's just one of the guys to keep an eye on this year. And speaking of the Northeast, the other guy he asked about was Tyler Madison, who uh, who I think who is actually only what two spots ahead of Luke Gold. Uh, on our prospect list, but that's just by virtue of him being a reliever and, and relievers, you know, as prospects, it's always a, a question as to whether you want to put them on a list or not. But uh, I think we're both fairly high on Tyler Madison. I, um, I think he's got the stuff to pitch in the back end of the uh, big league bullpen, maybe not close, uh, but he, I think he eventually will get a, a few saves. It's um, you know, mid nineties fastball with a ton of carry because it comes like right over the top. And and he's got a, a solid breaking ball and a changeup that both flash above average. And uh, you know it's it's a, a little bit of a violent delivery, and the, the he sprays it a little bit. So I think um, his walks will be slightly elevated, and he'll probably run into some home run issues uh, against the top echelon hitters when he's throwing his fastball at the top of the zone. But I think it's stuff that will work in a seventh, eighth inning role in the big leagues. We saw that a little bit last year in the playoffs against Binghamton. You saw what I saw at least was the kind of like the evolution of him from the middle of the season. I remember, was it 10 innings of no hit ball when he first started? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I remember you, you remember, I remember you mot- or discussing that, like just in terms of how that was going to build up where he was kind of, I think, wasn't he, he was starting too. Like, wasn't he, when your rotation was shorthanded a little bit, he started. Oh, it was a kind of an opener, right? I think he was an opener once or twice, yeah. Yeah. And so I think once he got back to the back end of the bullpen again, I think that's where he got settled in. But you're absolutely right, Chris. When he gets that elevated fastball, it's not going to fool everybody. And there are going to be some people are going to be able to tank it pretty well. And um but, you know, he does he has the other pitches to to keep him off that a little bit or to keep guys guessing. So I yeah, I mean I think I don't know. I, I, I would expect him to be in Toledo this year and possibly in Detroit at some point this year. I mean, they've, they've got a fair amount of relief options, but that's a good arm. So, yeah, I think that's a, a – I would label him as their top pure relief prospect. I, I'm sure one of the starters they have will eventually become a reliever and, and maybe surpass him, but right now he's the top relief prospect to me. Yeah, there's no doubt. He may – we'll see some time in Detroit this year. I think he might even – if the Tigers, you know what? I mean, this might be a little of a bold take, but you could see him, him and a combination of him and Brandon White through the Tigers decide to move on from a veteran. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, they, they, like I said, they have, they've got good arms, good stuff. So it's nice uh, options to have there in the minors. All right, Chris, what is the next question? We're moving on to David Jackson, who, uh, this is, uh, he said, what pitchers are down on the farm and thus far unseen by Tigers fans? So I'm, I'm assuming he's saying, you know, not Gibson Long, not Olsen, not guys who've come up to the big leagues, uh, who have a real chance to either be in the starting rotation or competing to become the closer by 2025. Um, so, yeah, basically by next season, who in the minors has a chance to be in the rotation or in the bullpen? I know I was, I spoke very high of Jaden Ham a couple weeks back as my surprise as somebody I think it will be highly talked about whether he gets in rotation, it's a little bit of a stretch, but that being said, as far as looking at pictures that you can see 
2025 in, in the starting rotation. Jackson Job's one of them. Or I'm sorry, then that's not talked about. Okay, so not talked about. Well, no, he just said that oh. they have that has been unseen. So I, I oh. don't know, like. Oh, okay. Not, like, give him a lot. Of I time. took that. To, I took that to mean that guys who haven't been up to the big leagues yet, because you know it would be pretty unusual for somebody that nobody's heard of to suddenly. Like Ham would be a good example of somebody that nobody has even seen in the minors really to come up and, and reach the major. But I think I just took it as, you know, the guys who, who have a chance to be in the rotation. Okay. Well then if that if that's the case, then I, I think somebody who would be somebody that I think really in terms of like a back end bullpen guy who can come up really quick or kind of make a quick impression. Wow, Lockhart still to me. I, I I think that if you can get that split finger down, I think he could be a surprise, maybe a spot starter, fourth or fifth starter, maybe somebody that Tigers use like a swing man on the bullpen because lefties are at a premium form right now. So if he can I think if he can come out and press, I think he will do that. Another guy too to look out for as far as somebody that on the bullpen side of things is Andrew Magno, who he's not really talked about. He's on our list, he's on many others. Magno is somebody that I know that's particular to us. We've seen quite a bit of him. He's been able to close. Uh, I was talking to Mark Mark Rush from the Days of War podcast, and he was like, I don't know about him. It's just it's his curveball doesn't lack shape. Blah, blah, blah. You know, tomato tomato. I I beg to differ with him about that, but that's a guy who I could see in the bullpen too. And another arm too that doesn't really it, it, keep out a lookout for. Rule five pick Nick Starr. I say that because yeah. there's a, the, the the Tigers look well, look what happened with Lockhart. Look what happened with Mason Ingler. They saw something with Starr. Maybe he might make an appearance in the bullpen. That's just that's just a long shot right there. But yeah, you know, I I, I just thought of basically everybody we already mentioned potentially being in the rotation next year. Uh, you mentioned Job. I think he probably has the best shot because he has the best combination of you know stuff and upside but it, we may see all of montero madden flores and herder at some point in the next year and then the, the, the kind of the tier right below them where they could possibly break out uh, you know troy melton and dylan smith as starters you mentioned ham you know on, on the future closer side i don't know if there's anybody you know it, maybe one of these starters goes nuts as out of the bullpen like montero and he's throwing like 102 and you're like okay all right but uh <laughs> but you know mentioned madison the only other guy i could think of was freddie pacheco you know if and when he's healthy is a guy that that has you know back into the bullpen potential but uh yeah i think that's it's basically all the guys who are currently in erie or Toledo. yeah i was trying to be a little different with that answer i mean obviously i was yeah. some of the guys there but i was thinking about why would they pick nick star they Pick Nick Star, so I thought that was interesting, and I'm sure there's some. He did the theme song for that '70s show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, all right. So go ahead. Next question. Uh, yeah, we we, we uh, only two more from the the from from Twitter. We got uh, Corey Rosier Truther. He says, "Does Justice Bigby have what it takes at a higher level?" <sighs> if that's that the million dollar question heading into 2024. Yeah. I think Bigby, you look at the data, ball bad at ball data, it's clear that he can hit the ball. And it, you, you worry about the power at the major league level. As long as he's hitting look, Rod Crew won the batting crown with no home runs in 1973. 
as a trivia question we talked about the other day yesterday, but <laughs> um, or is it 72? I, I can't remember the year. Anyway, I know this is a different tomato tomato kind of thing right now, or t- completely different eras, but I think Big B will be fine. I really think so. Now it's just a question of where to put him defensively. Yeah, I mean that that was what it was kind of uh made it tougher than it sounds to me. Uh or to me than it sounds because I, I do believe in Justice Bigby's bat. I think he has the ability to consistently make hard contact. We've seen it. Uh he's got a strong eye. Uh and there's plenty of raw power there. But it is like you said, it's it's he's basically a corner outfielder only. I don't think they want him at first base anymore. Uh, and his swing really is, it's just not geared right now to hit more than like 15 home runs a year. He's got tons of power the opposite way. That's really impressive. But if he doesn't pull on, pull the ball more, he's just going to get, you know, pounded on the inside third of the plate and uh, it, it'll be tough for him to hit more than 15 home runs. So now if you're hitting 300 with 15 home runs, I think most teams would take that from a corner outfielder, depending on how in the defense is, right? But if it's more like 260 with, you know, 10, 15 home runs, then you're getting kind of into like the Matt Vierling territory where it's like you can play, but uh, they're going to be looking for somebody that's better than you. Yeah, and that's where the reason why I was talking about the defensively is that he does can has the ability to play first base with Spencer Ferguson being there, but he's not a power hitting first baseman. He's more like a trying yeah. to think of an example of hitting well, Sean Casey. Sean Casey wasn't a home run guy, was he? No, not really. I mean, he had a couple of years, I think, with some decent home runs, but by the end, he was not hitting home runs. Yeah, there, there have been the first baseman like Mark Grace and yeah, you know, John Olerud, but they were, those are like elite hitters, you know, and, and maybe Big B becomes that, but I, I don't, you know, you don't ever want to just say that guy's going to be a batting champion, right? It's, it's, I don't have the foresight uh, to predict that for him, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's probably a left fielder and, uh, it's just a matter of, of how much power he can produce. If he can get the power numbers up, I think he's got a real shot. Um, yeah. Well, and our, our last one, our last one here is from K-Line Country. He said, thank you for all you do for us Tigers fans. And th- K-Line Country, we thank you very much for supporting. Thank everybody for supporting. Yeah, uh, K-Line, and this was- by the way, K-Line Country does a really good job of posting our stuff on blog. I've seen him post on blogs, too, I believe, as well, or our stuff on forums and stuff. That's so. uh, very appreciated. Uh, and this one, I think, is kind of closer to what uh, that last question was, or the the, the uh, one about you know guys coming from nowhere. He said, do you have two or three pitchers and two or three hitters other than Max Clark we will be hearing about in 2025? Probably in the lower minors and not in the top 30. So this is where we they get yeah. to name a bunch of dudes. <laughs> so so hitter wise, looking for the next uh, the big next big person to break out. Then, uh, you know. I, I, so I have three names in mind. I have three names that I've, I've thought about this a little bit. Brady, we, we, we've heard really good things about Brady Allen. Brady Allen's not mm-hmm. on any prospect list, but he came in and did a really good job of defensively. I mean, he really saved West Michigan's season. I, I'm, I'm not trying to exaggerate when I say that, but the way defensively with some of the stuff we saw with Roberto Campos, the, they were – they were a liability out there. I mean, at one point too, Chris Myers was seeing time in the outfield. And so before he went up to Erie, so that being said, I think Ray Allen's a, a guy who could potentially move up there. Another one comes to mind is Brett uh, Callahan, who was drafted in 13th round, had a really, he had a solid start at Lakeland. So I think he's going to be somebody to look out for. And 
last this is this one this one was a little tough for me but uh, don't forget about Alfonso. I think Alfonso, yeah. He had a really good postseason and eerie. And I, I think that I mean I'm not gonna put him as the next Mickey or anything like that. It's that guy who's gonna hit with home runs, but he does have really good bat to ball skills and defensively he got a lot of praise from Gabe Alvarez on how he was able to, I mean, he immediately, that's a veteran staff in Erie and he came in and handled it pretty well. So I think that's an, that's another name that will get some more attention this year. Yeah, those are good ones. I, I, um, you know, Callahan reminds me a little bit of Ben Malgeri. Um, and, uh, yeah, Brady, Allen, I think Brady Allen got some, some votes in our top forties on our, when we did our list, but I don't think he ended up in anybody's top 30, but that's, so that's a good one. I went with um, some more like recent guys. Uh, Carson Rucker was their fourth round pick this year. He didn't, he made it to two of our top 30 lists, but didn't get on uh, three of them, which would have been, you know, qualify him in the top 30. Uh, and it was seen you know, a little bit. It's kind of uh, right now, it looks a little bit like an opposite field approach, almost like justice big uh, but he's a big kid and he played shortstop last year. I think he's going to, play mostly third but uh, he's a guy who I think maybe gets a little bit forgotten just because the Tigers went prep hitter prep hitter to start the draft uh you know in, in many years under like the Avila Dabrowski era they would have gone college 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 and if they had taken Carson Rucker uh you know in the fourth round where they took him as their first prep hitter I think people would be a lot higher on him just because we used to get excited about that sort of thing and and uh but now the, the Tigers are getting more aggressive in the draft, which is fun. Uh, and I also, you know, Brady Traconic, who we barely saw last year, the catcher out of Juco, who uh, was a Canadian kid, and, and he I think he got hurt almost immediately. But, you know, he's the fifth, 15th round pick, but they gave him fifth round money, which tells you that they like him a lot, and they think there's something there. So, I'm you know, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm curious to see what, what he can do. He put up some pretty ridiculous numbers in Juco. Um, and then there were just a couple, you know, a couple of the international guys that, that we don't really know. Enrique Jimenez was their big signing last year, a switch hitting catcher. And he went out and, and he looks like he's got a pretty mature approach. Uh, so that'll be fun to see if he can hit a little bit. And, and when he comes to the United States and then another guy is Anibal Salas, who is a, another switch hitter, but he's an outfielder and he's super tooled up and had a really nice debut. So those are a couple of guys there. And then, uh, I don't know if you had any pitchers. You were thinking about oh, in terms of him, in terms of yeah, Jaden Ham is probably what I would come to mind. And then the other pitcher I had that may may come up and sneak up on you a little bit is this was kind of like a I mentioned, like I said, Nick Star earlier is a kind of a surprise out of nowhere, but maybe so. I'm not willing to give up on this guy yet, but if Campos can figure out where to throw the ball. Ulysses Campos. Yeah, Ulysses Campos yeah. can th- figure out where he can if he can throw, throw strikes. Yeah, if he throws strikes, then you have another potential bullpen arm. I know it sounds like, but there, we saw enough, Chris. I think you and I both talked about him. It was similar to the uh, tor- uh who was the there was an army West Michigan that we really like to um. Tor- Oh, Christian Tortosa, yeah. Yeah, Tortosa. Yeah. 
yeah, there's you watch him pitch, and if you see him on the right day, you go, "Jesus is really good," and then you go, "Oh, all right." Um, which you know, that's one of the tough things is is uh, being consistent and, and throwing strikes. So, yeah, I like that. You know, it, I was I had some high hopes for Campos and Marco Jimenez last year, and neither of them could really find the strike zone. But uh, and it, you know, for me, I, I just kind of go to last year's draft again, just because I think these guys tend tend to fall through the cracks. Not 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 a ton. I think we've talked about Jank Diaz a fair amount, but I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do because he's got a really good arm. We've got to see glimpses of it last year, and he's legitimately mid nineties with two secondaries. He's a big, strong kid. I wonder if he'll work out of the bullpen, but he could be an exciting pitcher. And then, you know, um, we didn't get to see a ton of Andrew Dunford, but when we talked to Ryan Garko, he was pretty excited about him. And you go back and look, and you can see why. It's it's he's a big kid. He's like six six. Uh, and the ball just comes out of his hand really easy. Uh, and it looks like he's going to be kind of like a classic sinker slider guy uh, that they probably work with a lot. So that's a guy who's, it'll be interesting to, to follow him uh, in the years to come. There's, well, you know what? Before we move on, though, there's one quite, you know, the one arm that you mentioned earlier, Andrew Sears, out of the 10th round a little bit. Lefty that, from Connecticut? Yeah, the lefty from Connecticut. That's another one I was going to ask you. If if he starts the season now that Lakeland's going to be on camera, I'm interested to see your thoughts on him too going forward because he, I mean, he he's only he's 21, so he's kind of young for being uh, post draft, correct, Chris? I mean, in terms of just yeah, yeah, yeah. that you know, uh, it's on the younger side for college. Uh, he, he was was he drafted at as a 20 year old? He may have been. Um. I, yeah. Uh. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I I kind of touched on it before. There are a handful of guys from the last few drafts that were you know pitchers that, that we just haven't seen a ton of uh, one of the guys was like my my breakout pick last year was joe adamitz who did pitch well but didn't make the didn't even pitch till the middle of the season and you got the joe miller and jake miller and you got the quinn goditis and, and these guys that they haven't really you know forced themselves on, onto the scene yet but they're all there and it, it wouldn't shock me if any one of those guys kind of pops up from seemingly out of nowhere and, and becomes a real like a a, a prospect it's just we we haven't seen much of anything from them yet, so we don't know. Yeah, that's where I mean it, again. But the, the reason why it just stood out to me is because his age just. Yeah, he just turned twenty one uh, the, the day before Halloween. So yeah, he yeah. was he's very young for his his draft class as a. Well, it looks like he spent two years at Rhode Island College before transferring to Connecticut. So. Yeah, that's that's a good. I mean, he's, uh, you know, we we talk about the system kind of needing some more lefties, and that's uh, that's a good call. It's you know it's it's always easy to go back to last year's draft because a lot of people just haven't even heard of these guys yet or they haven't pitched yet. So yeah, no, it's yeah we, we got we need to see some more eyes. Okay, so we got some we got a really extensive. Well, I would say we only got a few questions in the e- email side of things, but they were very elaborate questions, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see. Should we go through those, or you want to do it, or you want me to? Uh, go ahead while you're there. Continue All right. Well, let's. Uh, we were doing the good. I think the first here. first one we got was from uh, Luigi Garcia, uh, who said, "What are Pedro Garcia's prospects for the 2024 season?" I'm assuming this is a relative. We uh, we love relatives here. We we uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, unfortunately, I, we don't have a whole lot on Pedro Garcia. He he yeah. is an international kid. He made his. He pitched almost exclusively in the complex league last year. He made eight starts. Uh, and and had uh, decent strikeout numbers. Just uh, the ERA was a bit uh, ugly. Was home run numbers, 
And then he, but he did come up at the very end of the year and, and pitch two innings against uh, or in Lakeland in the, in the Florida State League. So I stands the reason that they, they maybe like him a, get, a little bit. I put him as a potential member of the rotation in Lakeland this year. I, but, but I honestly, I don't know anything about what he throws. Um, I'm speculating that he, he maybe has a pretty good changeup because he was, his splits are a little bit better against lefties than righties. But uh, that's, like I said, it's just complete speculation here. So, uh, you know, I, I think the safe bet is probably that he's going to return to the complex league, but he may end up in the, the Lakeland rotation or bullpen. Yeah, we I wish we had a little more of a video, but there's some of the video, like sometimes we would get lucky with uh, with pitchers like Pedro Garcia and we'll find something on YouTube and it, but then the video is also just something you'd see in from a super eight shot or something. In fact, it's just, or an iPhone four or whatever the case is. So yeah, there's, there's not much to go with, but I, I will say that the only thing I can add to that really is the Tigers have been able to, we, we don't see very often, the, the the jump to, from the DSL to a ball among pitchers recently has been somewhat of a difficult one, Chris. I mean, wouldn't you say that? I mean, we haven't really it's, it, from, I'm sorry, from, from the summer, from the Dominican league, it's been kind of, you you know, you used to seeing like the Melvin Mercedes of the world or a couple of guys would come out and it was yeah. at least once or two, one or two, but I, I feel like it's been a while since we've seen that transition. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think um, it seems like that jump in general is, has been harder. You know, we, we a couple of years ago, we were pretty excited about Raylan Perez because he tore up the DSL and then he got to the Complex League last year and, and hit like 160. Uh, it seems like it's a bigger jump than we were giving it credit for. Um, but yeah, th- there haven't been, we haven't heard that, you know, that there was one uh, guy that, that last year was like, okay, this this is interesting, but they they didn't get him he was a former Texas Rangers pitcher, I think, that, that kind of popped up. Uh, but, yeah, we haven't heard uh, you know, any of these Dominican kids you know, down there throwing 100 and, and mowing everybody down. It, uh, so it's hard to know. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Pedro Garcia has, has really good stuff and just can't locate it yet, and that would, uh, that would be an exciting development. We just, we unfortunately, haven't seen him. Maybe that's something we can look for if we go down to spring training and catch some backfield action. Which reminds us, you know, that's why we have the GoFundMe linked on our on our description there. So, good. All right. All right. And then we've got uh, two questions for Stan. It said, uh, Isaac Pacheco is going into his age 21 year. Uh, what potential does he have to duplicate Parker Meadows' 22, uh, you know, 22-year-old breakout season in 2022? And then he uh, his second question was, our best guesses for the Erie Seawolves rotation, which we've kind of already gone over, I think. So, uh, Pacheco. Do we think he's going to pull a Parker Meadows and, and hit his way out of West Michigan quickly and turn him, put himself back in the prospect mark? I think he will. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't, I don't understand. I, some people who were, I'm not saying a lot of people did this, but I felt he's still young enough to where he can make adjustments. He's still, I thought he played a pretty good job, did a good job defensively. Their base last year, he has a good glove. I just think maybe it got in between. Maybe it's just a mental thing with him and just adjustments. But the kid's a smart kid. We we got a chance to talk to him, and he was able. To, I mean, he was picking up golf. Just he, he go. I think it was golf with his left. It was the lefty, and he's not naturally that. So that way, when we're in the swing, so he's that. 
I think he's that aware and the tools are there. And I'm not, I think this is the year he picks it up. He might stay at West Michigan the entire time based off the need. So who knows, but if he, wow, if he stays at, um, if he stays at third, if he stays at third base, then I, I think then he will, he might stay the whole season in West Michigan. So I, I, yeah. I just, I just think, I just, I don't see a position. What I mean by that too, is I don't see him going to another position or anything. Just, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I mean, I, I expect him to be better this year than he was last year. Uh, it was a rough year for him. I think he was at a certain point in August, he was hitting under 200, but he did have a, a, a nice final 30 games or so where he actually was an above average offensive player. We've seen glimpses of him. He's got tons of raw power. You talk about the defense, the hitting ability is the question. That was kind of the question with Parker Meadows to a certain extent. That's still the question. Um, you know, he doesn't have that sort of elite defensive ability and, and plus speed Parker Meadows does to fall back on, but it is a solid glove. So there, there's some secondary value there. And yeah, I mean, I, I would, uh, I expect him to, to hit well enough and to play well enough this year that he gets maybe a cup of coffee in Erie at the end of the season. Uh, but I, I, I hesitate to ever like say this guy's going to break out this year. You know, yeah. it's, it's, Part of what makes those f- so much fun is they're so hard to predict. It's like, uh, you know, we, I had given up on Parker Meadows, basically, and then he just let go. And he started making noise that spring. Uh, in, in that was, I don't know if that was still, like, there was still some weird, like, COVID stuff going on, but he was doing stuff in spring training that was like, huh, this is interesting. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's let, we'll, we'll let Pacheco be Pacheco, and, and hopefully he'll improve this year and, and uh He's still a year younger than the average player in the Midwest League. So even if he has to stay another full year, I, I wouldn't give up on him. Yeah, I'm not going to give up on him either. I remember and I remember exactly, I think it was a during a spring training game, Chris, where Parker Meadows was in the outfield and made a really good couple good catches. And it was towards like garbage time, towards the end of a spring training game. And he hit the ball pretty hard too. But we all thought, I think it was against Toronto, I want to say, during COVID. I think it was like during the uh, a Blue Jays game or something to that effect where he hit it to hit a home run and we're like, Oh, well, I mean, it was just, it was something that stood out. And I think it was against, I, I, I know what you're talking about Chris, but just bear with me here. Well, I, I remember he, he hit it. He had a couple, these were like the things I'm thinking about specifically was they were, I don't know if it was just Tigers minor leaguers playing against each other. Like it wasn't, they weren't playing anybody else. It was like a scrimmage of sorts. And he, like the reports were like, he was hitting the ball really hard. And then we got some, we actually got some batted ball data on him because they were playing games that were being, I think they were playing in Lakeland and they had stat cast data. So um, I just remember him hitting the ball extremely hard and going like, huh, okay. Um but I don't remember what the circumstances were. It's funny. It's just two years ago, but I've forgotten. I would have sworn it was against a, a team, though. I, I, I remember Parker Meadows making it. In, maybe it was maybe it was last year. Then I maybe because I mean, Parker Meadows had a really good spring last year too. So it's they all blend together after a while for yeah. me. So. And then uh, I think our, our last questions from Rian. I don't know if you want to you want to tackle those. I I don't know exactly what's. I got one email here. It doesn't look like the 
I don't see the, the rest of the question. Okay. Uh, from, okay. So is this Keon? Or, or Keon. I'm sorry. I said yeah. Rian. I said it's Keon. Yeah. So, and he, he writes in from the, uh, um, the rest of the Philippines. Yeah. For the Philippines. The question is how many shoes are too many shoes? <laughs> um, he said for whatever sorry. <laughs> for whatever it's worth, the viewer of, of analytics of viewer behavior, I learned about you folks from Scott Bentley. So thank you, Scott Bentley. Scott Bentley, you're the uh, man. And uh, further from Mark Gurash. So thank you, Mark, for spreading the word about us. And we appreciate that. And I'm trying to regain my friend of the Tigers and really Detroit sports teams because I'm also a Pistons Lions fan. Big game Sunday, of course. I hope the NFL doesn't sue me for saying that at least. And they're the playoffs <laughs> ruling. So, so his question was, he so I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna start with the second parter, which is the Dodgers and Cubs just did a trade with prospects with uh, Michael Bush in particular who had trade rumors for a while. I was wondering, do you think some of the, do you think some of those prospects could be some pros? Let me let me try that again. I was wondering, who do you think are some of the prospects that could be tradable assets? He asked this question because main the, the at third base is curious whether it's by committee. Waiting to see how young would look in the minors. And the third catcher is probably Dingler, and he's not sure that he's ready and he can be called upon. It can be called up because Kelly does has some injury history. So you may need some more depth. So he was trying to project to, you know, which Tigers prospects could be used in trades. Correct. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we talked at the very beginning and the first question we were kind of going through the pitching depth. I still think that there's there's an arm or two, and you've talked about this for a while. There's one of one of these guys in the triple A, double A range could be used as a, a trade chip in some capacity. Flores, Madden, Montero, all those guys. Um I, offensively, I think I mean oddly enough, you know, they don't have a ton of outfielders, but it does feel like like Justin Hermeloy or Justice Bigby could be part of a trade package. Um, just based on, on a, just kind of what they have going on right now. You know, you've got Carpenter, you've got Green, you've got uh, Meadows in the outfield. They've, they've got a decent outfield out there. And it's just like, uh, you know, are these guys going to play or are they more valuable as trade chips? Yeah, there's, you know, Chris, I, I, I really think that we saw this year with the trade for, Oh, I'm like, I'm like the, the picture to the Brewers, uh, Blake, Hol- uh, Blake Holub. Blake Holub, yep. Yeah, Blake Holub, that they're not going to be afraid. And I think we're going to see that, too, on the positional side of things. A guy that I can see potentially being traded is Trey Cruz. And I say that because mm-hmm. if you're not sure if he's going to be a – I know people like Trey Cruz, but it, – if you're going to have, if he's going to be a center field and you have Max Clark as your potential center field for the future, you have Parker Meadows, and you know for the fact that in the infield is kind of rough going, a team like, uh, there's a team out there like Houston, I mean, the Houston Astros, his hometown, because that's dad's coaching at Rice. Who knows? Yeah. I believe that Houston drafted him once. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, a guy like Trey Cruz could be traded. And I think the depth of the Tigers tr- p- pitching will definitely. What's going, what's going on over there? What's, oh, I don't. Oh. Smiling, smiling and giggling. Oh, there's no nothing, nothing. Just craziness. Just craziness. Don't worry about it. It's, it's right. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I I think that's a good call. I think when we talked to JJ Cooper on the other show, the the the, the Tigers go like six deep in second baseman. 
you know, like you got Colt Keith potentially in the big leagues. You got Jace Young coming up behind him, although he may be played third base now. You got How You Lee. You got Luke Gold. You've got uh, Kevin McGonigal. You got Witzel Perez. You got Eddie's Leonard. You got all these guys who could be playing second base. You know, it's not a position that is necessarily coveted, but uh, somebody might be like, hey, we need a quality second baseman in, in our double A level. What do you got? We go, well, we've got this Luke Gold for you. you know? yeah. Some gold. So, yeah, there's. Yeah. You know, Chris, this is funny. We were we we were complaining about this. Not even not I don't say complaining, rather observing the Tigers didn't really have a second base option in their system since we started really covering this in 2018, 2019, or even a little further than that. So since we started doing the podcast, the lack of second baseman in the system, lack of second baseman. Now it's too many second basemen. Too many cooks. Yeah. So I'll continue Uh, on with the third part. Of the question, because mm-hmm. yeah, there's there was a it's a it's a long question, but I I I, I like this. But he said this one's not a prospect question. Uh, th- he has three more questions that are not prospect questions, but I still yeah. want to read them anyway. So, uh, the, the first one is forgot to mention outside of Keith and Justin Henry Malloy is Baby's also a bright spot. He wants to see where he's going to come out at, but he is let's see here nowhere. Basically, I was wondering if Bigby is going to be that kind of guy that comes out of nowhere. Um, oh, okay, here it is. Okay. Since Harris took over, what do you notice about the improvements in hitting development and coaching? You mentioned some of the items from the Spanish instruction. Is there more power? Of course, Keith looking like a bright spot. We hear so much about the Tigers pitching prospects and curious about the offense. That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I mean, the one we keep coming back to specifically with Scott Harris was like the nutrition, right? Which is not something you necessarily see on the field. I, I to me, it, it it's more about going back to when Garko came and took over, which was what twenty twenty one. And in that time, we have seen we have seen a pretty dramatic increase in power production from hitters throughout the system. We've seen, uh, and we talked about this before, a lot more guys who put together good plate appearances. Uh, we, you mentioned Alfonso earlier, Rick Cruz walks a ton, Jake Holton walks a ton, um, and, and fewer plate appearances from the guys uh, like Gage Workman, who, who is, you know, has a ton of tools, but is striking out a lot and doesn't walk much. It, it's, there's, I think, that emphasis on, and you see it with the acquisition of Justin Hermeloy, that the emphasis on guys who are going to get on base and give you good at bats has, has uh, I think we've seen that. And, uh, even with like Eddie's Leonard, you know, kind of an under the radar uh, acquisition with a guy who who does a little bit of everything well. So, yeah, I think we're starting to see a little bit of the Harris DNA in the in the minors, but a lot of it is is really the stuff that Garko's been doing. And it it Garko stayed on with Harris because I think they agree on on you know how to create quality hitters. So, yeah, I mean that's that's what sticks out to me. What sticks out to me too was the first time we ever heard of the phrase development team yeah. we never uh, until here's the thing we were so used to when prospects struggled they just stayed on they just stayed on or they got sent down and that was really it there was no you know there was no type of really i, I don't want to say lack of instruction but you really it was just it was kind of like all right well he's struggling let's just you know put him here then you see it like for example eric de la rosa who we were really high on. We had a really good West Michigan. He was breaking out West Michigan a little bit. We're still stricken out a little bit. 
Then middle of the year last year, he's gone. He went to development squad. Same thing with Gage Workman. Gage Workman just started hitting exclusively left-handed, right? It was left-handed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either you shape up or you ship out. And there's no, there's no, like, if there's one thing that I've noticed during the Scott Harris era, the tolerance is minimal at best. If you don't fit what they're looking for, they are very, they'll go, hey, here's a chance to do, here's a chance. Oh, you can't do a development squad? Out. Yeah. Off on the, yeah, the development list. Yeah, that's it's funny. I've forgotten about the development list. The um, <laughs> we, we the the other thing, and and I, you know, I may be able to. Well, I'm thinking about this, contradict myself, but it, it feels like Harris, yeah, uh, maybe he's practicing what he preaches, but he's more patient, I think, with prospects than we saw under the Avila regime. Uh, we talked about Parker Meadows. Parker Meadows had a hot week in West Michigan and got promoted to Erie immediately, uh, which you know turned out to be fine. But, uh, you know, Colt Keith was murdering double-A pitching for six weeks before he finally got the promotion. And, we, I, you know, they, they did promote guys last year, but none of them were – I don't remember any that were, like, super aggressive, right? Like, and Montero got bumped up two levels, but he kind of deserved it. And Bigby got bumped up two levels, but he earned it. Like, it wasn't – they never didn't take somebody and throw him up a level just to see what he could do. Right. Um, I think they were really patient with guys, and and when it was time, they moved them up. Uh, and so that's, you know, again, that's not necessarily a, a development of a skill in the players, but it's something that's changed in the system. I like the way he used Toledo too. I mean, in the beginning of the year, you're kind of you're wondering what is going on, but it was clear throughout the season that the in terms of, from an offensive standpoint, it was pretty much consistent. Who in terms of bats. And basically, he was saying Toledo is the next step before you get to the major leagues, and he treated it that way. Whereas, I mean, historically speaking, Toledo for the Tigers has just been rinsing and just kind of like rinse and forget about it. Kind of, I, I mean, like I'm just historically speaking, you'll see guys there, but I'm I, I think of like, for example, this comes to mind. I know it's an obscure reference, but Jamie Moyer pitched really well in Toledo. And did not never get a chance, right? Yeah. yeah, never got the Tigers. Didn't give him a chance. Tigers were like, nah, you're good. Then I, because here's the thing: when I remember Jamie Moyer pitching against Detroit, he always pitched angry. He looked pissed, and I didn't know, yeah. and, and I didn't know until later that he was a, in the minor league system for the Tigers. And the, the Tigers just basically were like, nah, we're good. So Jamie Moyer just sat in Toledo, and there's a lot of guys like that that just sat in Toledo, and and. It's a different. I mean, I, again, that's a, that's an obscure reference from 30 years ago, but it just it makes me think of how t- Detroit has treated Toledo at times. They treated also. Yep. I mean, they did win a Governor's Cup in the mid 2000s, but they're using it now for more of a developmental point or development side of things versus just extra roster fodder. Governor's Cup, the Jesse yeah. Ventura Governor's Cup, <laughs> um, brother. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, yeah, we, we've seen some changes. Uh, and I think uh, we need to see a couple more hitters develop, but I think that things have gotten much better over the last uh, year, two years for sure. Yeah, the also another thing to mention, strength. Ryan Garko yeah. hit the, really hit it, simply put, that these guys are getting stronger and they're getting on weight lifting programs. And I know that sounds like, They've been doing that for a long time, but the Tigers 
have not. I mean, it's just been a just a simple like, hey, are you lifting weights? Are you doing the 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 amount level of detail? And that's the thing that people complain about. Well, they're not spending money. Well, they are. I mean, the the Lakeland's getting their first new dorm since the since the seventies, and even there's one thing that I noticed last year in my first spring training. There was something that some of the beat writers were talking about that wasn't prevalent before. There was a lot of guys in khaki pants, and there was a lot of like a lot of people going back and forth and doing a lot of like just observing. There's a lot of more of that. Not to say there wasn't there before, but the impression I got from talking to people was there was a lot of tools being out there and used. There's a lot of little things that you may not notice. Or like, for example, I remember last year where they started using those weighted balls. Those were all over the place in Erie too, or that you see them like just scattered about in the outfield. You remember that Chris. And so yeah, little things like that, that sound to, to it sounds like the average person, like that should be done already. And it hasn't been the case. I, I, yeah, it's, I don't know, like we said, there's, there's been changes and I think we'll see over the course of this season, we'll have a, a better understanding of what exactly is going on, but we, you can see the, the groundwork right now. Definitely. And that was the other two, the other couple of questions were actually more major league, but we can save that for the Motor City Metrics podcast, but Perfect. yeah. So again, we're going to be debuting our, prospects who did not make the top three list six in 60 seconds little like it's a little the little stuff like that there's gonna probably be a couple more articles jerry's working on some things and we're gonna start cranking up the content here as january comes because again pistons you open the lions could pull it off tomorrow if you're watching this on saturday january 13th and if not i mean you're maybe you're celebrating a lion's victory there's a, there's some sort of moon data, by the way, Chris. If the the moon's oh. on a certain way, that the line. Yeah, well, that was, uh, you know, there was somebody tweeted. I remember way back before they the Thanksgiving Day game, how they lost every Thanksgiving Day game when there was this kind of moon. I don't know if it was waxing gibbous. Uh, yeah, it was waxing gibbous. It was that. <laughs> somebody somebody pointed out. He's like, for, you know, for you moon weirdos, the last time the Lions won a playoff game, the moon was like this, and that's what the moon is right now. So. I don't know. I don't believe in any of that stuff. You know, but, uh, yeah, the last, time the, t- or the last time the Lions won, Libras were, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, there's yeah, a scope science, stuff like that. But uh, I read so, yeah. interesting science, science stuff today, but we don't have to get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it another time. Thanks so much for listening. Again, there's two ways to donate. Donate on the link right there, the or bit.ly link, or our GoFundMe to get us down to spring training and to the point where if we can get down to spring training, I might, or to the point where we're actually just considered driving the spring training. I know it sounds like you and I were like, ah, I don't know about that. Spending 21 hours in a car together at the same time. It might be yeah, more efficient that way. I'll spend half the time in the trunk and then we'll switch. <laughs> Put yourself in stasis mode or something. <laughs> <Exactly>. uh, <laughs> on that note, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good week, everybody.